we've been missing you. Do you want to find the witch friends you've been missing? Do you want to participate in these conversations live? And do you want to support the work of recovering a true history of feminist ideas about magic? Do you want to hang out? Do you want an invite to Zoom together with Amy and myself every new moon along with our hilarious, diverse, wise, queer, creative, anti-racist, science, and awe-loving coven? You must join the Missing Witches Patreon. It's pay what you can and we can't wait to meet you there. Patreon.com slash Missing Witches. You aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch. You must be a witch. Witches. Oh, I see a big candle. Hi, lovely ones. Hi, wise ones. Hi, wild ones. Hi, faces. Welcome, welcome, friends. Oh, I'm so happy I needed this today. I don't know about you. I hit a wall today at dinner and just got weepy for no reason. And then I was like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go step into a circle tonight, shake my shoulders off, make some magic, talk some shit. I'm glad to see you're here. We have a special guest with us today. I think uh, I shared this previously, but when we started this project, we were passing back and forth stories and started really digging in, trying to find writers who were dealing with some of the spiritual bypassing and some of the sort of exclusionary stuff that we saw in Wicca, sometimes racist, straight up racist stuff we saw in some practices or misogynist or like, and we were wondering who's grappling with this. And I'm sure many people were, but we were like, we were so new and we were so solitary and we were in the woods and we were like, who's asking these questions and who's working on, on roots to this kind of community. And I found Yvonne's book all acts of love and pleasure and they really opened a a sense of safety for me and starting to do this work and so discovering that we were like Instagram friends (laughs) was a real um, shock jaw dropper and a gift and they've published um, many beautiful books since then and they're working on stories about spiritual transition which I know is something many of us have experienced and can talk about so I invited them to come sort of today we could do a circle I thought that would sort to be uh, a conversation as they always are a magic making we can interview Yvonne they can interview us and I invited them to first maybe introduce themselves and then with all their experience and knowledge cast a circle for us so we can step in to a real magical space together today with your consent if that feels all right for you welcome and thanks Yvonne Thank you very much. Awesome. Uh, it was great to see everybody. So yeah, my name is Yvonne Abro, pronouns are they, them. And uh, I've been practicing Wicca now for a very long time. Uh, first um, decided, I discovered or decided that I was a pagan in 1985 and then got eventually got initiated into Wicca in 1991 anniversary of that is actually today it's my 30 oh. 31st anniversary of my initiation so uh that's very exciting um so happy anniversary i'm so happy you. we're spending it with you <laughs> uh, thank you very much can't think can't think of a better better option um so yeah 
yeah, 31 years today. Ooh. And yeah, by day, work as a software developer, um, by night, writing witchy books. And uh, yeah, so I, um, I wrote all acts of love and pleasure because I went to a talk and, and there was this guy and he was saying, oh, look how heterocentric Wicca is. Um, and then he ended his talk with, and it was like in the LGBT slot at an event. And he said, um, well, you know what to do. And everyone's sitting there going, well, actually, no, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, so, uh, so what should we do? So I thought, right, well, I'm going to write a book because that's what I do. And then <laughs> the more two most recent books, um, which are Dark Mirror, the inner work of witchcraft and was originally meant to be one book and then I discovered I'd written 150,000 words so I had to divide it into two books uh, the second of which is The Night Journey Witchcraft as Transformation and that's the one with all the anti-racist stuff in it um, and the anti-oppression stuff in general with a lot of magic-y stuff thrown in for good measure so the the thing that kicked that off was that somebody was kind of shouting at a quarter you know, and they're sort of, I summoned her and call the up kind of way. And I was like, stop shouting at the quarters. That's very bad. Um, and uh, and so that was, you know, a train of thought started. And that's how I wrote that book. And then it turns two books. So uh, I'm very honoured to be invited to cast the circle and call the quarters. So I will start with the land acknowledgement. So invite you to take a moment to rest your feet upon the ground and acknowledge the First Nations where you are. So think of the people, if you are on Indigenous land, think of the people who were there before you and the way that they tended the land and took care of the land and think of all of the birds and animals and trees and the sky and the ancestors and the sky beings and the waters that flow through that place and if you know the names of the indigenous people of your land then think those names to yourself I am sitting on the land of the Anishinaabe the Haudenosaunee and the Atawanderon. And I wish that their languages and cultures may flourish and may they get their land back. And if you know the names of the First Nations where you are, I invite you to write them in the chat. And if you don't know, then I invite you to look them up later. I see names, excellent. Oh, and I like that. Somebody had the land acknowledgement already, brilliant. Right, so I invite you to stand up and if you have a wand or a or something um or just use your hands to just cast a circle around yourself drawing up the energy from the earth below and then letting the energy flow out of your hand to make the circle around you We cast this circle outside time and space 
set apart for our rights. Let all who enter, enter in love. Let all who leave, leave in peace. Now, in my tradition, we start calling the quarters from the north. So I'll start from the north. As you face north, or think of north, you breathe in the air to into your body. The element of air that keeps you alive, that brings inspiration into your body. And as you breathe in and out, you feel yourself connected to the element of air. Allow the air to come in and find its way to every corner of your body. Feel your every cell in your body sparkling with the energy of air. Think of yourself as one with the air and the mountain tops and the beauty of the sky and the stars. And we welcome the element of air. And now we face east. And I'm sorry, I just realized I'm doing my elements rather than the standard ones, but that's how it rolls, how we roll. We face east. We feel the element of fire. The spark of inspiration, the spark of life in your body. This is the element of fire as you experience it in your own body. The energy of laughter, the energy of joy, lighting up every cell in your body with the joy and the warmth of fire. Think of the rays of the sun coming down from the sky, warming your skin and filling your body with vitality. So we feel connected to the element of fire and welcome it into our circle. And now, once again, placing your feet flat upon the earth and facing south. Feel your bones holding up your body, the solidity and the strength of your bones and your muscles holding your body upright in space. The bones of your skull that protect your precious brain that contains your mind. And the bones that allow you to move in space. And this is the element of earth in our bodies. And so we are as one with the earth beneath our feet and the mountains 
and the meadows and the forests. We contain atoms and molecules that have been part of the forests, part of the trees and the earth and of the stars. Every atom in your body was forged in the heart of a star. And so we are one with nature and the earth and we welcome the earth into our circle. And now as we face west, feel, place your thumb upon the vein in your wrist and feel the blood pulsing through your vein. This is the element of water in your body, the blood flowing through your veins. We are made of 80% water. We are beings that are really connected to water. It's even possible that we were once aquatic beings. And so think of the last time you slipped into a body of water and enjoyed the feeling of the water playing against your skin. Think of the gurgling of streams and the lapping of waves upon the shore and the precious sacred sweet waters that we drink and take into our bodies, keeping us supple and fluid and one with the element of water. And so we welcome water into our circle. And finally, the element of spirit, the mind that you can feel coursing throughout your whole body, your sense of magic, your sense of oneness with all in the circle. This is the element of spirit as we experience it in our bodies and we welcome spirit into the circle. So mote it be. So mote it be. We were thinking that since today is the International Day for the Visibility and Recognition of Trans People, it seems sort of strangely appropriate to talk about transition and to value our visibility. Um, not to make a metaphor of transition, we really literally believe and work to make our circles and our worlds a safe space for trans people. Doing that practically is really core to who we are. But in that spirit of the bravery of being who you are, let's put some seeds in a cauldron today and talk about change. The world changing the way that we dream it can be and each of us changing always no pressure. It's not because, you know, we want to uh, put the weight on you of a ridiculous to-do list or anything else that the world demands of you, but we want to celebrate the ways in which we're always changing. So I invite you to talk about that. Um, Yvonne, do you want to talk about the new book that you're writing and about this idea of spiritual transition? Yeah, yeah, that would be great. So yeah, uh, about 
2007, 2008, um, I had a huge spiritual wobble because I, I had some um, some baggage from the past that I hadn't dealt with. Uh, and it's, it's taken me a long time to be able to actually write about it because it was painful and it was difficult. And uh, I went a bit... Um, I had the spiritual bends. I like went too far, too fast and went through a number of different beliefs in a very short period of time, which was really scary. Um, and I thought, you know, I would have really benefited from having a book uh, that would have helped me through that process and that would have sort of guided me with, well, why don't you think about this question? Or, you know, look, there's these other people who've had a similar experience to you. And I really wish that there was a book like that. Um, and so, which seems like a really good reason to write a book about it. So, uh, so I'm writing a book which talks about people leaving relig other religions. Um, actually, I've got a section on leaving paganism as well, because people do that. Uh, talking, talking about, you know, sometimes people just leave regular, boring, normal religions, right? And then there are people who leave really traumatizing, horrible, fundamentalist, scary religions. Um, so I tried to talk about both of those. And I've done a fair amount of research recently on religious trauma, uh, which is becoming more recognized as a syndrome um, of its own, because, you know, there's the problem is, like, there's P not regular PTSD, uh, which is one thing because you're like, okay, I had a really traumatic experience. Um, but the thing about religious trauma is that the person might still believe the things, some of the things that they've been told by their former religion, or at least be carrying them around in their subconscious. And so the trauma, like when you've had a, I don't know, let's say you had a really unpleasant thing that happened to you, fleeing a war zone or something, you know, people from Ukraine who are fleeing the Russians, like they don't, they probably think the Russians aren't very nice, you know, so there's no kind of experience of like, oh, but they might be right, but also I feel traumatized. So there's not that sort of mixed messaging going on. And so, uh, so I'm writing about uh, how you leave a religion and what kind of questions to ask yourself and what processes to go through to try and leave it cleanly if you like rather than being left with lingering trauma or questions and then what happens when you come along and join another spiritual community um so i'm writing it from the point of view of joining paganism um and i was going to make it more general but i think you know stick with what i know uh, <laughs> so and also there, there's probably tons of books for people joining other religious communities but not so much for paganism and I've also got some people to contribute their experiences so if, yeah so I'm right the next bits are going to be about arriving in paganism and how much are you are you bringing baggage from your previous tradition and how do you adapt your views to to the new worldview kind of thing because obviously the Christian worldview or the fundamentalist worldview is very different from the pagan worldview so it's making sure that you got rid of all your baggage or dealt with the unpleasant bits and kept the good bits you know so that's and I haven't written those bits which is why I'm being all hand wavy and vague about them. <laughs> Have you found in your research that you're encountering more people who are walking away from versus walking toward 
something else? Like, what do you, what have you found to be the major thrust, the leaving or the entering of the something new? I think, I mean, there are people leaving paganism and quite a lot of them leave it for Unitarian Universalism because where else are you going to go after paganism, right? (laughs) Um, There's a lot more, I think paganism is one of the fastest growing religions out there. So I think that there's probably more people arriving than leaving. Um, But the reasons people leave are often because they've had an unpleasant experience with a particular group or, you know, they've encountered homophobia or racism or some other piece of unpleasantness. Um, And the reasons they're leaving, well, actually, the reasons they're leaving other religions are quite similar. Um, So, um, you know, I think that's why events like and podcasts and books about inclusive paganism are so important because I've had a lot of people say to me you know uh, I thought I thought Wicca wasn't for me or I thought paganism wasn't for me and then I read your book and I am reassured Uh, a lot of people have messaged me to say that so um, you know what you what you're doing here is also, is really really important too, and I you know I think it's great. I mean we're we're mostly trying to learn from our community and learn about what you know. I I think also about our own journeys, like you know leaving the churches of our childhood and and trying to find a spirituality that felt right. And honestly, I don't really relate. Like I guess paganism is what it is, but that's not what I call what I do. You know. So, and I think that's similar for some people here. Like, I'm not really, I'm just sort of a a weirdo solitary witch who started looking for histories and telling stories and then like found this group of of weirdos, (laughs) this brilliant group of weirdos. (laughs) I think I definitely relate to the feeling of like leaving something and then needing to make up something new or, and then, and then find, find the deeper, deeper roots. I don't know about you guys coven folks here if you, you yeah yeah <laughs> yeah go ahead Janice um well it's interesting because I I mean I come from a Hindu background which is very different than where a lot of people come from and I think it's interesting that Amy you brought that up where it wasn't necessarily leaving Hinduism I still have things that I carry that I do but I wasn't finding the guidance that I had in my temples like I didn't have it place the connection whereas with Wicca I found that I'm connecting to the land I'm collecting to the elements around me so I'm making it more about the spirituality around me and I've I've kind of not necessarily walked away from Hinduism because there's still beautiful parts of that but I've come into Wicca and I'm kind of encompassing all of it together so it may be different because I mean I'm coming from like a polytheist like I'm you know I have all these things and I'm actually learning about Hinduism through Wicca so it's been a bit back and forth but uh, it's been an interesting ride let's say (laughs) yeah I mean I think Hinduism is so much more compatible with you know I mean it is compatible with before I know I know three or four Hindu Wiccans so Doreen Valiente was really open about the fact that those those first like tantra exhibits were coming through that she and others were drawing on all of that when they were doing some of that initial writing I also didn't mention but you're you're published by the Doreen Valiente Foundation is that right yes this is fun this is fun (laughs) 
we did an episode on her one of our one of our we we just love we love her and the image of her um arriving at the institute for pagan studies and offering to do the dishes i think that's the when they were they wanted to put her on a stage with hundreds of people and she offered to do the dishes amy and i talked about that yeah i see another question go for it angela oh i was just gonna add um you know especially coming from my background where i have indigenous and african uh you know, ancestors where what's hidden within the religion, right. you know, what of our traditions have are hidden within. Cause I was not, my family was Catholic, but like my immediate family, I wasn't really raised with that, but through my own studies. And it, cause it's always like, I say, follow the story. You always follow the story, which is how I found this podcast. But um, you know, the way to dig deep, like what have we hidden within, you know, Christianity, Catholicism, and just looking at it with that decolonial eye, always the decolonial eye. <laughs> um, so it's just important to think about those things as well. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the histories of Catholic interaction with Indigenous people, on one level, you've got a certain amount of them trying to adjust what they do to fit the local culture more so than Protestants. But then, you know, here in Canada, we've got a huge history of residential schools and other horrific stuff. So very mixed bag but certainly there's more deeper stuff under there yeah I think that really speaks to that idea of what's been hidden within the religion that sort of syncretism that happened in order to sort of smooth the edges of the process of colonization you know it uh, it annihilated stories and also like hid wove threads in you know where I think if we want to find pieces of Catholicism even that work for us as witches those those sure. threads those threads are there <laughs> right yeah I mean I steal Lectio Divina which is one of their things <laughs> so yeah and certainly that that's where we find Santeria right is like you know the enslaved people hiding their their Vodan within the confines of Catholicism and using those deities as stand-ins for Risha. There, there are so many things hidden within, hidden within, hidden within, hidden. Yeah. Go for it, Angel. Hey, Kevin. Hi. Uh, yeah, this conversation makes me think about uh, me and my spouse are traveling back to New Orleans and his family is from New Orleans and we are gonna go on a cemetery tour if we can find some of the grave sites of his ancestors. And um, yeah, in New Orleans, it's so interesting because the the syncretism of Catholicism and um, African traditional religions is just, it's, it's so seamless. And like my husband didn't realize that um, saint expedite wasn't an actual saint (laughs) (laughs) right and and like you see some places like you know like new orleans where the the sort of where they come from and all the beautiful different places and how it has kind of blended in with um catholicism and and how it sort of makes this very unique gumbo of spiritual beliefs and i'm i'm just really excited i haven't been back down home since 2018 he hasn't been back since 2013 so (laughs) New Orleans I'm sure looks very different 
and um, I'm, I'm excited. I'll let folks know on the new Discord, which is really cool. I want to <laughs> thank you so much. It's a really cool way for us all to connect. I'm really glad people like the Discord. We were, we've had it requested many times and all of those times I was like, gonna go Google what a Discord is again, <laughs> figure out how to set that up <laughs> for all the young people. <laughs> but um, yeah, it can be a little intimidating, but I feel like once yeah. you get the hang of it, it it's pretty it's pretty fun to use so yeah it was like intimidating and then I was like oh it's like slack I I've I've, I've negotiated spaces like this before and then once it was set up and everyone was like <gasps> lighting up in there I was writing about all the flocks of birds returning today and then all of you were like little like flocks of birds in my life just like pinging everything today as our discord lit up it was pretty wonderful and I miss New Orleans and I can't wait to get back you must find perhaps our friend Fleur when you're there. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I'm going to the Museum of Voodoo and the, um, the temple. I found <laughs> my, the first time I went there, I found online like a, someone had written a self-guided tour to all the witchy and like sort of sacred spaces and like they had written it all out and I was there with a bunch of coworkers <laughs> and a friend was like what are you doing today I was like um I gotta I gotta think I'm gonna do <laughs> my friend's like I'll oh, tag along with you I'm like really okay and he came and then by the like third you know back door museum hidden within a thing he was like I think my grandmother was a witch <laughs> awesome. witches are everywhere liana so nice to see your face welcome welcome uh good morning <laughs> i wanted to say to yvonne like what you're doing is really important like really really important i think that in my own sort of journey it was like extremely important i think kind of uh common for a lot of people who sort of deconstruct from sort of fundamentalist christian upbringings that we sort of have to almost go through the portal of atheism before we can find ourselves at any other door and i would have loved a shortcut you know like i the only way that i was sort of able to start embracing kind of a length of spirituality that just made sense to me was by deconstructing from christianity and if i'd had sort of that portal that I could have walked through a little bit easier then I think that things would have changed uh, a lot quicker for me I know that I my my own deal is my own deal and things happen in their own time but you know I was really only able to really learn about um, spirituality properly once I had completely deconstructed um, because everything is evil you know like <laughs> like you know in a Christian upbringing everything that's not God is evil you know and it's like that can't be right so <laughs> so that has to to be something else it has to be something that makes more sense for you and um I think that a lot of people get so much out of this you know like I think that it's astronomical the impact it can have in an individual sort of scale but when you're sort of releasing this book out into the world you're inviting so many others and I just like it's just an appreciation just here to, to say I appreciate what you're doing because quicker always seemed strange to me too you know like I never I never felt really comfortable because it felt too much like a religion um, mm -hmm. There were rules and there was, from my understanding, the way that um, even my own sort of uh, heritage and things like that was diminished within that scale. You know, I come from uh, like tribal Baltic clans that were colonised by uh, the Romans and, you know, they're told you are us now and everything you believe is now ours and, and you believe us, your, your great mother is our great mother, you know, like actually there's a lot of 
suggests that the Romans came from us, you know, like they came from, you know, Trajan when he uh, invaded Romania had said, I go back to the land of my forefathers. Romulus and Remus were, were reared by the wolf mother, which is my mother, which comes from my, um, you know, heritage. And it's just that those very small things, you know, I can't imagine, obviously, I'm coming from a huge place of privilege where everything wasn't completely dismantled and demolished, uh, demolished but, um, but this road back has been really, really difficult for me. I think I've learned a lot, but having resources like your books are just like, you know, like I'll be suggesting them to everyone now, you know, because I don't want them to have to go through the kind of process I had to go through in order to land where I am now. So I just want to say thank you. And also just want to say hi to everyone and show everyone that it's morning somewhere. <laughs> Love you all so much. <laughs> hey, that's, that's really cool. I also went through an atheist, like, because I, my thing was I was sort of um, brought up very fundamentalist slash charismatic type thing. And then I went, right, okay, I'm going to be an atheist. And then I became drawn to paganism, but I remained an atheist for the first 20 years of my paganism. <laughs> Right. and my wicker so which are the same thing in my in my head um i mean like wicker is a subset of paganism in my head your your ven your personal venn diagram may vary um but anyway i think and then i had some experiences that made me think oh actually i'm a polytheist so i would sort of waver between atheism and polytheism a lot but i am definitely a polytheist wiccan thank you very much and part of that is because of the lgbt angle because you know, there are many, many genders and the idea of just subsuming everything into one great mother goddess and one male god is just so disrespectful to those other cultures, as you mentioned. But it's interesting, the, the origins of the Romans was that they were actually a bunch of, they were a gang of robbers who converged on a little village uh, in the in the Italian peninsula. It's not much changed, in it? <laughs> I mean... It's the origins of colonialism. Let's, let's go and steal something, right? And then they went and stole the Sabine women, which the Sabine women probably weren't terribly impressed by. Yeah, and then, I mean, but what's interesting also about the Romans is that they they didn't mind that you could have, the emperor could have any ethnicity. So your Trajan could have come from Romania and it would have been fine because they even had a black emperor at one point because whatever else was wrong with them, they weren't actually racist. So that makes a nice change. But anyway, yeah, so I think uh, everybody's journey with syncretism or, I mean, I've actually written a whole bunch of stuff about syncretism. So now you're making me think either I have to include the syncretism stuff in Changing Paths or I have to write another one called <laughs> Merging Paths. <laughs> So there you go. You give me the idea for the next one. Thank you very much. But yeah, I think everybody's journey is different. and It depends where you're coming from, which is why it's been super difficult to write the first three chapters because uh, three or four chapters, because I'm like, well, you might be leaving a nice religion. Or you might be you might be leaving a middle of the road okay kind of religion or you might be leaving one that's really really oppressive or in you know you might be not leaving at all uh, which is another thing altogether I mean I actually wrote a whole thing some years ago about which religions work well together and which ones don't and obviously the ones that are um, I call the ones that that think they're the only truth totalizing systems and like Hinduism is a pluralist system in that you're like oh yes well we've got our gods but we acknowledge that other people over there have their gods and that's fine and obviously paganism is also a system that acknowledges that other people's gods are valid right and 
and it's the systems that go we've got the only truth and nobody and everybody else is wrong but are the problem so if you've come from one of those kind of religions then you've got to do a lot of deconstructing to go okay which of which of the things they told me are actually true or useful if any and which things are clearly not um whereas if you've come from a system that's like you know hey all religions are valid then it's much easier to go oh i'll just pick up this other spiritual path here and and do that too right because i mean it's really interesting i know a number of jewish witches and a lot of them are still practicing liberal judaism as well as witchcraft and i mean there's also christian witches and so it all depends on what kind of system you came from as to whether you can fuse things together or just go right okay i'm gonna deconstruct that and move over to this new system i heard this like anecdote i I have no source for it so you'll all forgive me but as part of the crusades you know when the when the crusaders showed up in places that practice hinduism the people there were like oh jesus great you know we'll add them to our pantheon of totally acceptable wonderful gods and then the crusaders were of course like no no not like that you have to get rid of all the other ones too and the hindu people were like uh no we're just gonna we're just gonna put them all together and i think that that's so witchy to me this like like an improv the first rule of improv is yes and and that's why we we use that term god etc because I think it's like that that's what it is to me. It's like yes and yes and yes and yes and yeah, it's just like yes and systems versus no no but or something. Yeah. Did anyone else have a experience of a spiritual transition or relate to this idea of getting the bends <laughs> that Yvonne mentioned when she was when they were first speaking? Uh you know, the, the bends of leaving one whole brain space behind or a whole spiritual experience behind. I love this metaphor, this like deep dive scuba metaphor of going from one depth to another depth too quickly and having that kind of boggle your whole system. <laughs> yes. I also really liked the metaphor of spiritual gumbo while we're, while we're appreciating metaphors. That was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, that was really good too. Go for it, Jasmine. Hi, Jasmine. Hello. I'm just, oh, just a second. I'm getting comfy in bed because it's almost bedtime. Yeah, yeah, um, get comfy. <laughs> Yv- Yvonne, when you were talking about the book that you're like, it, I so am looking forward to reading it because I actually, at about 18, 19, when I was at university, I got really interested in the concept of witchcraft and, of course, exposed to a lot of friends who were Wiccan and And that was great. But then I felt so worried about coming out, so to speak, because, you know, I didn't want to disappoint my family, even though they're not particularly religious or anything, and worried about, you know, job prospects and things like that. And so when I was in my early 20s, I said, well, I have to find a more respected spiritual group. (laughs) Like So how I perceived it, and I became Uh, or I joined a a local Buddhist community. And then it was like the universe sort of went, nope, that's not your path. And I was sort of plucked out of it because it turned out that the leadership was, um, there was issues of sexual misconduct and things. And so it became a really unsafe place Mm. for me to be. And I came back to the practice and 
it was almost like I connected even more with it. And now with, you know, my, my recent diagnosis too, of being neurodivergent, it's almost like I, I feel much more confident. It's, it's almost like I had to have that experience of leaving the craft to really realize that 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 is a part of my authentic self, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's the place where I do feel safe. Cause I think that's really important that no matter what spirituality or faith we choose, it, it really is the point of it should be to make us feel safe. Cause yeah. the point of it, I think is to connect with whatever you call it, God, etc., the universe, the energy connect with yourself right and in an unsafe space you can't possibly connect with yourself mm-hmm. and it's been nice because now that i'm older and more confident in my ability to be transparent um you know i'm i'm having deeper and and more meaningful conversations with family and friends and i'm not afraid of that anymore and i think that's because i feel very safe and secure within my spiritual practice but yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to your book and, and everything that you're saying I was like oh big moods big moods going on here but um no it's it's really amazing and then you know the next step is to I've sort of taken the leap of connecting with community the folks through missing witches and um you know I feel more and more safe within the community so yeah I'm it's interesting to sort of have a foot in different worlds and try things because you know, you almost have to do that these days in order to really figure out where you're supposed to be. It's, it's, I, I always feel like a traveler in that way of seeing what happens and, um, but also trusting your gut. You know, I think we, I think we all have that feeling of I'm not supposed to be here feeling. And maybe for folks like myself who are neurodivergent, we get that feeling a lot. <laughs> it's a, it's a much stronger feeling, but when I, when I, you know, when I sit by my altar or I read a variety of books on the subject matter or I connect with friends who have similar spiritual path then I feel I feel safe and secure and like I'm I'm on the right track you know so yeah it's um everything that you're saying really connects you said a lot of things that really resonated with me there as well because uh one of the things that happened was that I was trying to go down another path when I was Uh, doing my spiritual wobble um <laughs> the book was originally going to be called spiritual wobbles and then decided changing paths was a more sensible title so I set off down this path and I was trying to do this thing and and the universe was just going no 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 stop that immediately like that's not going to work stop no and I remember when I finally gave up to try to go down that path and decided wicker is my path I had this sort of feeling of everything inside me sort of expanding and when the rain falls on a dry place and all the little plants come up it was like that yes yeah it is it is it's a very similar feeling yeah yeah that's a really good way that you put it but also consider spiritual wobbles as the next book because I like that (laughs) yeah that's a great word wobbles (laughs) I've still got um my I've got a one of my chapters is is my account of my my wibbly wobbly journey um and it's called wobbling but not falling off so the the word wobbling is still in there well thank you so much I I love it love it all thank you thank you and I'd love to have your if you feel up to writing about it I definitely would love to have your story in the book 
Oh, sure. Yeah. I want to read that too. Um, Jasmine was just interviewed for a future episode of the podcast. She's also an educator. She teaches teachers on inclusion and yeah, a a wonderful speaker. I'll also make sure you guys, you hear that episode, but we'll make sure you guys are in touch. That'd be great. Excited. (laughs) I want to draw something from the chat that was about something that Jasmine said. Um, Violet brought up this notion of feeling like I'm not supposed to be here. And I think we might all have a sense of that, but in very different and differently manifested ways. I know for me, it like it's like um, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Like, uh, um, I just wasn't made for these times, maybe, or maybe like the, this is Planet Three, and I'm supposed to be on Planet Nine, or. I think differently, nobody around me seems to see the world the same way that I do. And so, yeah, just like all of you are saying, you know, when you, when you find people who can validate your experience, it makes you feel a little less like you're not supposed to be here and a little more like, okay, I'm, I am in the right place at the right time. And maybe I was for, made for these times. Maybe I was made specifically for these motherfucking times. You know? Thank you, Brian Wilson. But does anyone want to speak to like feeling like an alien? Or does anyone want to speak to a, a seed of transition or transmutation that you're planting? Yeah, Julie. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Julie. I use she, her, they, then pronouns. Um, I'm, a, I'm a white person with dark hair, wearing a, a white top and have a very dark background behind me. You know, I think something that I have found tricky with feeling alien is I find it really hard to define my spirituality. And I, I resist this pressure to define it. And I feel like everyone wants me to define it. Like my Christian mother wants me to define it and pagans want me to define it. And the Quaker community I'm part of, they're like the ones who are like, we're okay if you don't define it. And so I've been on this interesting journey where I've ended up in a Quaker community, which has Christian roots and some strains of of Quakers are still very Christian, but you don't have to be Christian. And there are a lot of atheist Quakers. And yet it's been really interesting for me because I'm like now in this community with Christians and I, I never thought that would happen. And yet they're the ones who are like, you don't have to define yourself. Like you can be, you can be anything you want. And, you know, I think I'm sure I'm partly projecting onto myself that like other pagans feel that way. But for me, getting into pagan stuff came via like a very kinesthetic relationship with with nature and it was less about like specific gods or goddesses or or even magic it's really been about like for me it was really grounded in eco-spirituality and at first I still identified you know as like a liberal liberal progressive Christian at the time and got into I guess eco-spirituality from a Christian side and you know, transitioned out of that. But I would say at my core, like eco-spirituality is not religion specific, if that makes sense. It's like this, it's like this other lens that is separate from, from dogma. Yeah. And so like, you know, when people ask me, I'll answer differently at different times. Sometimes I'll say like, I'm a pagan Quaker. And other times I'll say, 
I'm an agnostic. And other times I'll say, I'm like, I'm recovering from religious trauma. And, or I'll say, you know, I cohabitate with a conservative Christian and I have to speak in a way that translates to her spiritual way. And so sometimes that means I use that Christianese language when talking to her because that's the only way I can connect with her on certain things. And it's like been the only way I've been able to push her on things like what does decolonizing Christianity look like? Um, And yeah, so I feel like I've been in this weird space where I haven't completely rejected Christianity in the way where like I feel like a part of me really wants to because the activist in me is like I can't still have these conversations if I don't stay in the room and yeah I I feel like I've left the room so much that like it doesn't really matter anyways but um yeah I guess this is me trying to openly embrace being in the gray (laughs) In, in all areas of life not just spirituality Right. I, like Risa and I were like, we're witches. And now we're like four five years deep into the project of just like trying to figure out what that means in like a collaborative and ever evolving, you know, expanding universe of a definition of what that means. So we're definitely there with you in the gray, always, you know, floating around in, in the great, in the great unknown. Mm. I mean, I did a big project on queer spirituality for my MA, and I actually concluded that it it is um, a distinct space. In and and I think you're right that eco spirituality is also a distinct space because we can connect with people from different traditions through that. Uh, somebody said in the chat, use the word lens, which I think is a super helpful word. Um, we can look at things through that lens and go, okay you know, Christians care about the earth. Maybe they call it the creation. Maybe they just call it the earth, but they care about nature because of that. And then we care about nature because of the, the lens we're viewing it from, but but we all care about nature. So we can all agree on that. And then queer spirituality, um, there's a much higher emphasis on social justice and a much higher emphasis on spirituality. Um, and there's a lot of common themes between the two. Um, and you can actually kind of go, okay, queer spirituality is its own thing that happens to have a foot in both in like different other religions camps, so that were. Uh, so I think, you know, religion is a lot more wibbly wobbly than we think it is, um, because everybody wants you to be like you say. There's there's this sort of thing you've got to put a label on. You've got to have a hat, and you're going to be in this box and not that box. And I know so many people who are like well, I'm a Unitarian Universalist, Christian, Pagan, Buddhist, whatever, right? And I'm and Quaker Pagans and Linda Woodhead calls them, calls people who do do this, They she calls them fusers, which I think is a nice word. Um, so yeah, like syncretism is a thing and people have been doing it for centuries and don't let anyone tell you, you can't. Like I'm loving where this is going, where from Amy to Julie and and I have always felt like I try to box myself in to explain myself but I fucking hate the box so much like I hate that like it's just not me I totally get people who want to like put themselves in a box because it feels good for me it never has like and it's so I've never really like 
transitioned into being what I'm now quote unquote calling witchy, I was like the little girl with the little girls in like elementary school making potions in the bathroom for what I don't know, like talking to the ghost and like the, you know, it's always been there, you know, and, and then like this bizarre thing happened where there was these podcasts and people starting to claim the word witch. And all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, oh, you know, there's a lot of people like this. Like, like you said, Amy, like, I'm not for this world. I'm an alien. Oh crap. Maybe I am for this world, but I, my time and like, we're doing something that we can't really explain like while we're here. And I know there's all these like communities that I could be a part of, but this is the first community that feels right because like maybe we're all kind of in the gray together we're like you know I'm like you know whatever like I love the trees and I fucking do some spells sometimes and I uh you know it's just like I'm so in the gray exactly like that is going to be my new thing if every like because people will always go like well what religion are you or how like how do you label yourself I'm just gonna be like I'm in the gray zone you know <laughs> so it's like this is this is so me like love it <laughs> so I just my little piece here <laughs> at one point I I ended up with so many different sort of adjectives on my self-description like um I ended up going, you know, I'm just going to put, I love cats, tree, the earth and the stars and, and the moon and leave it at that. <laughs> and that's still my, that's still my little description on um, blogger. So I relate to that so hard. And there's been so many people that Risa and Amy have interviewed. They're like, you know, I talk to, to nature, like the trees and I like sit and like the answers come to me like water and this and that, like all that, you know, I love nature. I love trees. I love the water. I love elements and I like candles and yada, yada. <laughs> right. Wouldn't it be nice if we always introduced ourselves by what we love instead of like what we do? <laughs> yeah. I think we should do more of that. Or what I love a lot right now is like, like you asked on that, um, that new forum that I'm like way too old for, but I'm there. I'm like, yeah, I like, we like trees. I like cats. Like, I love the fact that everyone's like, oh, just me and my cat, me and my dog. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's, I thought the exact same thing, like that, that question, like, who are your guides right now is really like, who do you love? What do you love right now? What is like, what is that feeling of love that's guiding you? We're all just basking in that feeling now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm also basking in the memory of doing light as a feather, stiff as a board when I was like 11. Because I mean, I'm curious. Like, didn't you feel magical when you did that? I remember doing that. It's like you know, I'm curious. Did we all like collectively have like that little girl moment? Like we didn't know what we were doing, but we're like out blowing on the little, like making wishes and like making potions and stuff. Like we were probably all that girl, right? And we yeah. just didn't know that other girls like us were out there, right? Yeah, we were all that kid. We were all that person for sure. And I mean, I, I saw all your faces go. You all lifted the kid with two fingers, right? Like you, <laughs> Zoe, you have to, what were we doing? How did we have so much magic, Zoe? I don't know. And I don't even, it. I feel like for me, it was always somebody that introduced it. I know I wasn't the one introducing it until I was an adult. As a kid, it was like always somebody like, we're going to do this thing. And we didn't question it. We were, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. We're, 
we're doing light as a feather, stiff as a board. And then there was, you know, a certain age where we stopped doing that and it stopped being okay. And I'm not really sure, maybe, I don't know when people started dating, maybe (laughs) I don't really know like when it stopped, but we used to do that stuff all the time. And at least for me, I grew up, there was a lot of trees and woods and things, and we were looking for fairies and just, you know, and I don't know how those things were introduced. It wasn't a conversation. We were just magical. That's an important thing. It's like, you know, you always feel like you're that weird one out that like I watch the squirrels outside and I'm like, oh, what are they talking about? And I'll make little conversations about them or, you know, something will happen in the trees and I'll be looking at the leaves and everybody else is like, what are you looking at? And I finally feel like I found that group of people that (laughs) gets me, (laughs) you know, you find a rock and you're like, yes, I need to take this rock home. It's very important that I keep this rock. (laughs) Things like that, like, people don't get me, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I just wasn't with the right people. And I've, you know, found the missing witches and I'm here. We get you, we get you girl. But yeah. Yeah. I remember once I was walking down the road and uh, there was a group of people on the other side of the road. And I heard one of them say, Oh, look at those lovely trees against the sky. And her friends just looked at her like she was from another planet. And I really wanted to say, yes, I see them. They're lovely. And and I was too much of a wuss and I didn't. <laughs> and I, I've always felt bad that like, you know, there she was. <laughs> you're not alone. Yeah. And, yeah. I just wanted to go, hey, you're not alone. The emperor has no clothes. I see it too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, J- Jasmine was in the chat and she echoed the, uh, the witch slogan that we all use and the word that we have reclaimed through the movie the craft uh we are the weirdos mister and uh yeah i love that scene and i think we all have like a a powerful reclamation in that moment you know where the bus driver says be careful girls there's weirdos out there and you know they put on their sunglasses, leather jackets. <laughs> we are the weirdos mister. You know, you should be afraid of us. I love yeah, it. I Thank love you, the craft. I was going to say that, um, I mean, I think like all of us, we could probably talk, you know, about this subject for a very long time. And um, I've been quiet, not because I don't have anything to say, but I have so much, it's hard to distill exactly what to say. But also the questions as they've been phrase have been, at least as I understand it, like, how hard was it for you to leave something behind? And so one reason that I haven't answered yet is because I haven't left anything behind. I'm still practicing the same religion that I've practiced ever since I was a child. And um, so for me, it's a process of adding on to that, I, the analogy that that I tell people, although I would never bring up the word witch because there's there's no space for me to practice my religion and be out as a witch. Like I will get kicked out, but um, like from my religion, like that will always only ever give me ice cream, and I will always want ice cream. But I've also always wanted pizza, and it will never give me pizza, never because pizza is evil and pizza is wrong and pizza shouldn't exist and you shouldn't even think about pizza. 
So, um, so this part of my life where I've just sort of given myself to explore the things that always fascinated me, as Sarah was saying, I was that same little girl too, just like you doing all of those things, um, is just the, I'm adding pizza to the ice cream part. And, but I've never stopped. I mean, I know I did stop practicing my religion for several years, a long time ago, but I didn't stop necessary, necessarily believing in it. I was just angry over some things that happened. So I just stopped going. So anyway, that's in my journeys and why I've not contributed because I, I, I haven't left anything behind and I'm always wondering, you know, what is compatible, what isn't compatible and all of these things I'm exploring. I do bring it back to the rubric of, is this incompatible with my religion of origin as I understand it? And um, yeah, so, so there's a tension there and I've just sort of like accepted that the tension will, will always be there. But I, I wanna circle back to not necessarily to bring up another topic, but just to throw something back into the conversation that I think Yvonne, you mentioned earlier about people in a religion, they're like, oh, th this is racist or this is homophobic or whatever. I just feel like sometimes in our day and age, people are looking for some sort of fantasy group that doesn't exist. Like I'm looking for a group that isn't racist or I'm looking for a group that isn't homophobic or I'm looking for a group that isn't misogynist or I'm looking for a group that doesn't exploit people. Like I'm firmly of the belief that that is just part of the makeup of humanity. And so any group of which there is comprised of humans, those elements will be there. Now, whether or not they're explicitly taught in the dogma or doctrine, I think somebody said, I mean, is one thing, right? So if, you, if that's part of your explicit dogma, that's going to be one thing. But where humans gather, all of the negative things are going to be in uh, the mix as well as the positive. So sometimes I hear people saying, oh, you know, I can't. And I'm just like, so are you going to be like a hermit in a cell? Because there's, there's no getting away from our humanity, which includes every ugly thing that, that we the isms that we say that other people are doing. I think you're absolutely right. And I mean, I would make a distinction between structural exclusion, right? So where, like you say, the dogma or the, you know, something about the ritual or the requirements or whatever structurally excludes a whole group of people. And yeah, you get assholes in every religion, right? So even though you could, you could, you could create the perfect um inclusive liturgy or practice or whatever and you'd still get assholes so but it's more the fact that like okay assholes are everywhere in every religion and every group and every everything um except this group of lovely people obviously um <laughs> but like if your thing if your practice i don't know let's say for example let's take an example of um, your practice requires you to physically look at stuff for some reason with your eyes. Obviously, then you have structurally excluded blind people, right? If you then, and then, so that's one layer of possible oppression. And then if you then said that there, that somehow theologic, in your theology, there's something wrong with blind people, that would be yet another layer of exclusion. And then you might, you know, and then there's also people who, um, use blindness as a metaphor for you know like spiritual unenlightenment lack of enlightenment so that's another thing so it's kind of okay can we can we stop using disability as a as a metaphor for 
other things that are a, a, a negative metaphor can we can we stop creating liturgies and theologies that that exclude lgbt people can we stop creating liturgies that that say that or, or theology that says colonization is okay right because you know the, the catholic church has you know there is currently a delegation of indigenous people in rome asking pope francis to uh, to repudiate the doctrine of discovery which was the thing that said it's okay to go and conquer non-christian lands and take them over and and steal their land and kill their children so i would definitely want to make a distinction between yeah sure there are assholes in every every space um and like let's try and find a religion that has the least possible oppressive dogma and theology and and rituals but yeah completely hear what you're saying there's so many great examples you just gave there and then i i, I was also thinking about like you can have really great liturgies that are anti-racist and inclusive and you know have considered disability and then you can still have a high control group like you can still then have behaviors from the leadership that you know shame people when they speak up or you can still have you can still have these high control behaviors appear in buddhist circles in yoga communities in like these like in like health and spirituality circles too so i don't know there's an element there that has to be really practical of like how do we make it so that we can be corrected how do we make it so that we can realize when we're being the asshole and, and shut up and apologize and like make a space where we continue to learn you know because you see more and more of these high control groups i think in these communities on the internet yeah for sure i mean one of the things is you know i write a lot of stuff about how to observe the warning signs in a group that i like the phrase high control that's a useful phrase like you know if you join a group and they say don't bother talking to any of your previous friend group or only read these books that we approve or and don't talk to that group of people over there because we don't like them or whatever you know there are there are a number of red flags when you're looking at a new group um and one of the things is you know like there was a group in california who i shall not name because i think it's imploded anyway uh where the people were expected to work in the shop of the group, live in the communal housing of the group. And they had like something going on pretty much every night of the week. And the leader would toxically go on at people for like, you know, this person wanted to meet up with her dad instead of going to a meeting. And the leader like completely carpeted them in front of everybody else. So there's all these red flags, like, would you put up with this? in your yo in your local i don't know um exercise class no i don't think so so why are you putting up with it from your religion right so yeah there's there's all those warning signs of like if the group thinks that you have to have sex with the leaders in order to progress or whatever like obviously that's a huge red flag and just to bring it back to this idea of transition that there starts to be language that's really specific to the group so there starts to be like an encoding and i've seen it in in which communities that i was sort of tangentially a part of or groups that i was a part of where it's like if you if you challenge an idea that's really deeply held by the group then you're resistant to you know your change you're resistant to to your transformation you're resistant to your magic and you're just not letting the wisdom of the group or the wisdom of the leader like 
move through you and change you and maybe you should take another class or something um and i don't know i i so shout out to i listened to this podcast indoctrination and it's not perfect but they interview a ton of people who have recently left high control groups and they're they're a therapist and they they had to leave a high control group so there's a, a like a pretty intimate conversation around those things that I, I find that super interesting how we how these brain patterns can happen you know like how we can get I guess my parents are psychologists so I I'm I'm so interested in how we can lose ourselves in that way and then how can we how can we support each other in our connections and our community building in ways that we don't lose ourselves you know there's a great comment in the chat about non-hierarchical spaces and I'm so there for that I mean like I have a coven right but my coven anytime they try to put me on a pedestal or anything like that I'm, I'm like no this is our group we are you know as non-hierarchical as possible I think the only thing that qualifies anyone to be a leader of anything is being is having the experience right of, of facilitating groups and so my goal as a leader or a facilitator is to enable other people to also lead and facilitate ritual and to rotate that and to make rituals where so sort of my job as I see it as is to create a safe space for people to be in and that can be really necessary if people are feeling nervous or scared or whatever um I create a safe space in which the ritual can happen and then everybody brings their their creativity into that space that's that's how I see my role as a leader and I think you know I'm always doing my best to kind of go if I talk if I start talking you know if I start behaving badly or talking shit, then challenge me, right? If you think that I'm asking you to do something that you don't want to do, tell me you don't want to do it. Because right? we're all meant to be, uh, you know, this, we're all grown ups doing our hobby, right? So there shouldn't be any compulsion in these in these matters. It's, people are there voluntarily. Why are, we, why are we trying to tell them what to do? This is Zoe and I uh, have dark hair, African-American and multicolored glasses. I've been thinking about this a lot for the question of what have we left behind? And this is uh, resonant for me because what I've left behind is being working on <laughs> being a lone wolf for this very reason. I've become so anti-group from, you know, kind of being on the periphery of a lot of different collectives and seeing how this plays out. Uh, but also because I've been heavily steeped in the domestic violence movement for 20 plus years, and I definitely came in very idealistic, not unlike I think people who join the wellness community or you know join these different spaces because we are looking for that collectivity. And then it's like, oh, this is actually no different than corporate America. In fact, it's a little worse. And so I think that um, I think that it's challenging because we say maybe in this space that we don't want hierarchies or binaries, but I think a lot of people do. And what I see is people coming with intense trauma and they are looking to that 
charismatic leader a lot of times unknowingly and that person then just like I mean I'm watching it happen like right now <laughs> I was having a conversation about it today and so it's um it's something that I'm very very aware of and um yeah I I would love to hear Yvonne and Zoe your with your backgrounds the intersection of your thoughts on what I think we here perceive as like kind of like a communal gaslighting that's mm -hmm. happening. Can you unpack that a bit? <laughs> like we are being led to believe that we are stupid or crazy and that makes us doubt ourselves. But in reality, we are contending with very real crises that are not nothing mm. and I think yeah uh, like being lied to being lied to about ourselves even can you sort of both speak to that yeah uh, like to let Zoe go first yeah I think that my co-teacher and we talk about this all the time and one of the things she says all the time is that the witch trials were very effective in that we doubt ourselves we doubt like I was talking about earlier, our own, that magic that we had so inherently, all of a sudden we just stop it. And I think that the gaslighting is, for example, something that we've been talking about in the domestic violence movement since I've been in it for 20 years. And people told us we didn't know what we were talking about when we were using the term gaslighting. And now everybody talks about it. They were gaslighting you about gaslighting. What's happening? So right. uh, <laughs> the gaslighting is is precisely about a domestic violence situation. Yes. Yeah. No. That's our. That's. The, I'm not going to say it's ours. I don't want to be hierarchical, but <laughs> but it kind of is. <laughs> we kind of we're like, no. This is what gaslighting is in terms of a relationship. Like people telling you you're crazy and all of these things, and people are like, no, you're just angry you're just an angry woman and you're just emotional and now literally people are talking on podcasts about gaslighting so it's it's also is it gaslighting or is it low-key brainwashing right or maybe it's high-key bra brainwashing yeah I think um I mean I've only recently come across the term self-gaslighting which is where you you know you've internalized all the crap that the culture throws at you and and you gaslight yourself i was like oh okay that's that's an interesting use of the term and for some reason it took me ages because i've never seen the film right so it took me ages to get my head around the, the whole concept of gaslighting and i had to have it explained to me about five times uh, once i got it i was like oh yes okay i now i see it all the time now that i've got it got it through my head what it means so i think there's exactly what zoe says about you're angry about being oppressed as a marginalized person and everybody's like oh no you know you're just making that up or you know they they only meant blah 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 whatever right and then there's the also the whole what the overculture does to us in terms of like if you're trying to own your power as a witch oh well I might have imagined it or because we've had two centuries of Cartesian dualism like the idea that there's that mind and body and spirit are completely separate from each other um, we've had two centuries of the Enlightenment pushing the idea of reason and 
empiricism being the only way to ascertain the nature of the truth so nothing about you're not allowed to have an intuition or a, or an inspiration or from the from the divine or from the universe and so it's really hard to kind of it's almost like breaking through a crust the hard shell of reason that we've got to break through to go yes i'm allowed to have intuition i'm allowed to be creative i'm allowed to talk to the trees and for them to talk back to me you know and i think I don't think it's any coincidence that all of the that we're breaking through a lot of, you know, we're breaking through the crust of racism, we're breaking through the crust of colonialism and sexism and the gender binary. We're breaking through all these things to get to, you know, something more human and more more instinctive. And a lot of those, you know, the enlightened the so-called enlightenment was a project to introduce western ways of of seeing and being like impose them on the rest of the world we're sifting through that to find what if there's anything that we can still use but also deconstructing it and that's part of the process of just breaking through that crust and using our intuition and our witchiness and i think that if we're serious about decolonization we've got to examine those that baggage and find our own truth and not obviously not steal somebody else's truth I just wanted to say, I guess, Yvonne, I was following your train of thought exactly because uh, one thing that I love about this group is that uh, Amy and Risa have used the phrase in previous podcasts about how their version of witchcraft is very DIY, which I love. And I agree and have uh, come to think of like what I'm doing with my spirituality as DIY. And I feel like that's really the best path for everybody to go on but as you were saying some people want hierarchy I think it was you Zoe who were saying that like or some people want structure and so like a lot of times when when I'm talking to people and you can tell they're really in that box and I want to say oh just peek outside of the box or whatever uh but you know they're fine in their lane like some people are actually fine in their lane and I don't feel like it's me to say your lane is totally fucked up <laughs> but um you know I feel like they'll either arrive there on their own or or they won't you know I just feel like in this in this information age I think everybody is to some extent is doing this DIY spirituality in the books that they choose to read in the podcast they listen to the company they keep so even if they're not on uh, an explicit spiritual quest, either to to Amy's question earlier about away from something or towards something else, they're just in the path of life, and that's gonna make the stew. Even if they think that they're adhering to to whatever the the dogma is, I guess my point is DIY is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, even though you know, I I'm quite comfortable calling myself a Wiccan, but I'm also aware that that opens a huge series of questions in the mind of the person who hears that, right? Because they probably assume that I'm a duotheist and that I do the same rituals all the time or something, which I don't because I'm, you know, I'm very into creativity and a bit of DIY. And as soon as you stick a label on yourself, you then you then have to kind of spend hours unpacking exactly what you mean by your label so it's kind of easier just not have one <laughs> and yeah diy i like it definitely still diy and there's just more of us now diy it together i want to be respectful of yvonne's time and everybody's energy although i do feel like this conversation could go on forever i'm gonna be the one to spiral it forward put myself to bed 
let our energies go in to these transitions into these seeds and into making safe spaces for each other to be those kids making magic again and for all those kids in our world that need us to make safe spaces for their transition i'm gonna invite yvonne to close the circle but i want to tell you one quick story first to because uh, i thought of it before mostly because amy knows my mom but we were talking about we were talking about that yvonne that woman who said oh look at the trees for a while in my life i was i was briefly embarrassed that my mother was the person who would yell screaming sometimes to the point of terrifying the driver ah! <laughs> my mom's a screamer ah! look at the light of the trees <laughs> Oh my God, did you see that puppy? <laughs> She's like, You're just like jumping out of your skin every three minutes around my mother. <laughs> but it comes from a place of real joy, and real magic. Um, so I want to share that with you. May you all have a little bit of my mother's screaming magic in your ear, celebrating with you when you see the light in the trees or a really cute dog like the one that was behind Rachel before. <laughs> I'm crying with laughter. <laughs> Did you see the light in the trees, John? John, John, pull over. There was a duck. John's my stepdad. Not a, not a screamer. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, that was so good. Oh, wow. All right. So, uh, on that note, um, how can I top that now? Let's see. Uh, let us uncast the circle that we cast earlier. Um, I'm going to cheat and just do it because I've got a rotating chair. There we go. My cat is now very worried. <laughs> and so we give thanks to the universe for the four elements that we found in our own bodies and our connection to the universe. And if you wish, you can leave those connections open or just draw in your tendrils a little bit. So from the north, we draw back our tendrils from the air and from the east we draw back our tendrils from the fire and from the south we draw back our tendrils from the earth and from the west we draw back our tendrils from the water and we give thanks to all of the four elements for their gifts of life and we say hail and farewell Hail and farewell. Hail and farewell. Uh, bless the fucking me. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. Thanks, everybody. You must be a witch. The Missing Witches podcast is brought to you by the Missing Witches Coven. Join us right now on patreon.com slash missing witches. Bless the fucking bee.